0: You're listening to Wild Women, and I'm your host, Lux Karpov raid I'm a USA Today bestselling author of over 55 books, a screenwriter and film director, and an audio drama producer. But in the early stages of my career, I was heavily involved in theater, writing about it and studying it at one of the best theater programs in the world, Sarah Lawrence College. My background and passion for all forms of storytelling has led to a variety of exciting projects. And for this evening's show, I'll be talking about one such upcoming project, a fantasy film being produced right here in Mendocino County. I'll also be interviewing a few of the extraordinary women who helped shape the Ukiah Theatre community. Our guests tonight include Evan Galstad and Katrina Karpov from my upcoming film, The Silver Lady. Paulette Arnold, one of the founders of Ukiah's School of Performing Arts and Cultural Education, and Kate Magruder, one of the founders of Ukiah Players Theater. Our community has a rich tapestry of creative art, theater, dance, and so much more because of the people we're talking to this evening. I'm here with Evan Galstad and Katrina Karpov to talk about something really exciting, a project that we've all been working on together. Do you guys want to say a little bit about what we're doing that's so special?
1: Uh, yeah, we're, we're working on a, a short film, um, but like a, like a really awesome one.
0: Um, so this is the third short film that I've written and directed uh, with my husband, Dmitry Karpov, who can read, who's not here right now. But uh, what's really exciting about this is one, Evan and I have done a film before. In fact, that was my first short film. And that's kind of how we became really good friends. And it's finally almost getting done, The John Experiment. And now we're about to go into our second short film together, The Silver Lady, which Katrina Karpov is my daughter. And she is also the co star with Evan in the movie. Kat, thank you for joining us today.
2: Anytime.
0: And this is the first movie you're going to be in. Is that correct? Yes, ma'am. I mean, I know that's correct because I'm your mother, but they didn't know that. Um, Are you excited about it? You read the script. Don't spoil anything, but tell me what you think and how you're feeling about the movie.
2: I'm really excited. I think it's a really fun script and I feel like it's going to be really exciting. I'm kind of nervous because I feel like it's like probably the biggest project I've ever worked on and I don't know that I've ever acted to such a degree as this but I think it's going to be really fun and a learning opportunity.
0: Yes. Yeah, so well I know that you're going to be great because even just from rehearsals and stuff you're you're really incredible and Evan you guys know each other. I think you've met once or twice before.
1: We do. We do.
0: <laughs> Can you tell me about your relationship?
1: <laughs> uh, <clears throat> Kat is I guess you're still kind of a student but mostly an assistant in my Uh, in my acting classes at the acting school where I work but I met you as a student when you were like nine and so I've known you for years and years and years and watched you go from a little kid goofing off on stage to like a talented performer who I get to share the screen with so um, that is that's our relationship in a nutshell.
0: Evan you're one of the producers on this film as well and Partly because you are you just you know everyone everywhere all at once, <laughs> uh, and you're always able to bring us crew. But this time we're working with an entirely like Ukiah Mendocino based cast and crew. That's really exciting to just be working locally with so many fantastic creatives to make this film. And tell us about the location we're getting to film on, which is also something that you brought to the table.
1: Yeah, we get to shoot out at Eagle Haven Ranch, the Magruder's Ranch, um, which is but just like a beautiful plot of land an enormous plot of land where have an abundance of riches of locations where we could shoot, um, on that, on their ranch. Um, but they're awesome. Kate and Mac Magruder are just like, yeah, whatever, go ahead, take, take our land film on it. Um, cause they are enormous supporters of the arts and, uh, and it makes it so we get to make like a gorgeous film that you would, you would expect coming out of a high Hollywood, a high budget Hollywood film. um, But made with like a local crew and not a lot of money and just the right equipment and a beautiful landscape.
0: Definitely not a lot of money. And in fact, Kate is also on my show today. So we're going to be talking to her a little bit later about her role in helping create the theater community that exists in Ukiah right now. Uh, We're also going to be talking with Paulette from Space Theater, who also has contributed significantly to the theater community here. I'm excited for our contributions to the media and cinema community that we're making with this film. And... Um, and with some of the other projects that we're planning and this is a very low budget film like you said and we're going off of like bare minimum the, the most expensive part of this is the equipment and getting costuming because Fantas- it's, it's a fantasy film and fantasy costuming is notoriously expensive
2: um, to that end
1: Kat tell us how people can be a part of filmmaking <clears throat> magic.
2: Kickstarter there's a beautiful Kickstarter that is being happening right now and if you don't do it and if you do really big donations, then you can have uh, cool titles on the credits and it's super cool.
0: Yeah, you can either be a producer on this film by doing a lot of work like Evan's doing or by giving a lot of money. So
2: that, that's <laughs> Yeah,
1: save yourself some time and give us all your money.
0: And you'll be a producer on IMDb as well if you contribute at that level. And you can find that. It's the Silver Lady movie. And if you go to any, if you go to Instagram, the at Silver Lady, at the Silver Lady movie is our Instagram handle. You can find out more about it on our website at readkk.com R-E-A-D-K-K.com. Or you can search for the Silver Lady on the Kickstarter. Kat, do you want to talk about the themes of this movie and why you feel like maybe they are important for people today and how it'll impact people who hear it, watch it?
2: I think that the theme is definitely like hope in the face of kind of dark things. And it goes a little bit into just girls and like their struggles because, well, my character is a girl who struggles. Anyways, but um, I think it's nice because I know that a lot of people think that it's like, oh, the next generation will fix everything, but they aren't going to because the next generation turns into the current generation who doesn't do anything. So it's like everyone kind of has to put it on themselves to change stuff because if everyone thinks, oh, like someone else will do it, then no one will do it. And I feel like that's a pretty important thing and just a little bit touched on in the movie.
0: When we wrote this script, we wrote it knowing that you two would be the leads in it. And Kat, your character um, was really inspired by you as a person as well, in the sense that she believes in the change that she can make in this, in this film. Um, she believes in the magic that can make that change. But the magic is really her, her belief, her, her hope, her perseverance in the face of all the struggles that she goes through. And we felt when we were writing it, like one, that's a message that we all need right now. Given how bleak and dark things can be for a lot of people right now, and just you know all the unprecedented everything that our world has gone through in recent years, but also Kat, the inspiration for you—you—you you, you are that character in so many ways in terms of how you live your life. You do you want to talk about some of the volunteer work you do in Ukiah and some of the ways that you're trying to make change right now as a teenage girl who, and teenage girls are often not listened to or respected in society. Teenage movies, films for teenage girls, books for teenage girls—if you write or produce anything for teenage girls it's really kind of
2: shallow
0: well well shallow or it's not given the significance it should be given it's not taken seriously but teenage girls throughout history have always made big big changes in fact teenage girls are like shakespeare's main use of, of new words and new language they help shape so much of language so what are some of the things you're doing in our community right now that you feel like your character would really approve of
2: i work with harm reduction in Mendocino County, which is basically just trying to, because we have uh, a lot of issues with substance abuse and stuff like that. And so I work trying to kind of limit the effect that it can have, especially on young people, like the vape industry and stuff like that is really affecting kids. And I would love if that was not affecting them as much. And I also do restorative justice. So young kids, people under 18 who have a misdemeanor can come through my our program and kind of get a better system than the general judicial system. And I think it's really nice because a lot of the ways that we handle things right now is not very productive and kind of sends young people through like a school to prison pipeline that makes it really difficult for them to succeed in life. So our goal is kind of just to help young people get back on the right track and help them more succeed in life. Like we can help them get jobs and like find healthy coping mechanisms and nice hobbies. It's really a good place.
0: So Evan, you two work together also with youth in a different capacity at space. You've been yours, the, what do you do at space?
1: <laughs> <clears throat> My title is the teen drama department chair. Um, some, that's not what I was gonna say <laughs> uh, but yeah I I, uh, I direct the big show that rehearses in the fall and performs in the winter um, performance ensemble which is kids like 10 to 16 usually and then I run the the improv program which is almost all teenagers I guess the beginning class has some some like 10 11 year olds but for the most part I'm working with 12 13 14 and up um, but in that in that kind of sweet spot which Listening to Kat talk about uh, what she's doing, it's it's like my favorite age group. It's people who are like just starting to come into their own. And, and uh, I love improv because it's silly and fun and funny, but it also is a form that lets the students talk about what they want to talk about and make their own jokes. And, and I think there's a lot to that. So that's my cup of tea
0: from your perspective because you grew up in ukiah as well Mm -hmm. and you went through the space program when you were younger as well right Mm -hmm. and then you went off to la to -hmm. be a big shot star of like the office Mm -hmm. (laughs) um but tell us a little about your background in acting and and, in movie making and theater and how you came back to ukiah
1: yeah i mean space is a big part of why i decided to go down to la i started taking classes there when i was i'm sure summer camp i was like eight um it's an unreal gift for this community to have a theater that's dedicated to youth um, performing arts. Uh, we've got an incredible dance program and then the acting classes and, and, and singing and all of it. And um, it is uh, what has inspired a lot of people to go from Ukiah to LA or New York or wherever else, Chicago and, and pursue being an artist in one way or another. Um, so that's what I did. I went and majored in theater and I worked as an actor and a writer in LA for 10 years or so Um, and then came back and 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 Paulette offered me a job teaching improv and uh, and then this is what I'll do for the rest of my life because it's 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 the best Um, and uh, yeah we're we're super lucky to have it's it's crazy in a rural town rural community um, like Ukiah to have this art program um, available for for youth it's like unheard of. Um,
0: It really is. And I feel like it's part of what's contributed to this rich, like the fact that we can just put together a movie with such professional cast and crew performance, like amazing people, locations, like all these people who are supporting the arts. Like the only reason we can make movies here for the, for our budget, (laughs) you know, nothing is, is because of this artistic community. I feel like space has really contributed that over the years and created this amazing environment where people are coming together for this creativity, coming together to create bigger projects. So it's been really fun. And Kat is basically turning into your mini-me. What are your goals with this movie, with some of your future like um, performances? like How do you want to be continue to be involved in the creative arts moving forward as you go into your senior year and as we work on these different projects together?
2: I honestly don't know what I'm going to do in the future. I obviously want to stay connected to the arts, but I see myself getting a little lost in college to be honest but I always want to stay being a part of space because I love working with them and interning for kids I just teaching children is so fun and also space is just really cool because it's one of the only schools for performing arts that are specifically for children I think it's the only one in this like country so it's only I'll get
0: Paulette to confirm
2: (laughs) it's only for kids and I think that's really nice because it fosters like in their youth letting them grow up in the arts and with this self-expression and also space works a lot differently than a lot of other places especially with dance there's a lot of like toxic dance studios out there and space is really all about like body positivity and feeling yourself and loving yourself. And I think that's a really good start for kids who want to get into the arts. And also for a lot of kids, space is the only place that they can really be themselves and feel like they're listened to and like talk about what they want to talk about and have a good time. So I think it's just a really nice place that I want to stay connected to even when I'm older, even if I take a pause from... The arts. Well, thank you
0: guys. I want to talk to you more about our audio stuff, but I know Cat has to go because she's a very busy girl. So, thank you, Katrina Karpov, for joining us today. We're really excited to see you in your movie, The Silver Lady. And if you want to support Cat and maybe even get her paid for this, and Evan, because they're working for free right now, we're all working for free. Um, check out our Kickstarter, The Silver Lady, and uh, check out our website. Check out our Instagram if you're on Instagram, and let us know what you think. There's a really cool trailer. Evan sounds awesome as a Scottish in a, with a Scottish accent. Very nice voice. And it's going to be really exciting. So thank you so much. And thank you, Kat.
1: There is no mastering the wilds. There is only mastering yourself. Know that what you see is not always real. Know that what you hear can deceive you. Know that what you think may betray you. But know that what you feel is always true.
0: Listening to Wild Women on KZYX. I'm your host, Lux Karpov Kinraid, and that was the audio version of the trailer for my new short film, The Silver Lady. Uh, this is a film that we are crowdfunding through Kickstarter right now. It'll be produced and then filmed entirely in Mendocino County. We were just talking with Evan Gausted and Katrina Karpov about their role in the movie. And the music in the trailer that you listen to is composed by my husband, who is also my co-writer and co-director, Dmitry Karpov-Kinraid. You can find his music on any platform you listen to music under Karpov-Kinraid. You can also visit our website for more information about the Kickstarter, about his music, and about our books and other projects that we're working on at readkk.com. Well, Kat has left for school, but I'm still here with Evan Gaustad to kind of finish up our interview because there's too many creative things happening to fit it all in a tiny, tiny amount of time. So we talked about our movie. We talked about your your work with space theater and with my kid. Um, but we also have audio dramas coming out soon. And we're working on it. Do you want to talk a little bit about what an audio drama is and what what we're doing?
1: Yeah. Uh, I mean, you'll, you'll have to. You're better at. Talking about audio dramas, but it's a lot like what it sounds like. Um, <laughs> it's uh, the the medium is audio and the genre is drama. Um, it's
0: well, well fun, said. <laughs> it's
1: a fun way to uh, convey a story uh, without having to ask people to read with their eyes or watch a overly produced film, uh, you can just do the audio portion, put it in people's earbuds. Um, So, uh, you know, podcast format or otherwise, Uh, it's a really, it's an exciting and fun way to, to try and tell a story and pick stories that fit that medium. Well,
0: Yes, and we I've been like researching audio dramas for the last. I don't know. When did I start talking about this? About a year ago.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, just kind of seeing what's out there. It's a really. It's a growing industry. I obviously regular po- nonfiction podcasts have been popular for a long time, but fiction podcasts or audio dramas, depending on what you call them. Uh, I mean. Earliest one, War, War of the Worlds. Was it called War of the Worlds? The radio drama that like got everyone thinking we were being invaded by aliens?
1: Uh, yeah.
0: But basically, we have a long history in our country of having really interesting fiction dramas that feel real. In more recent times, what I'm seeing is a lot of styles where you, know, you have your audio books, which is just a narrator reading the book you have what i'm seeing now is like a more immersive audiobook where you might have some sound effects or you might have a male pov done by a male or the dialogue done by a female and male actor and then you have these more like immersive fiction dramas audio dramas where it really is like watching a tv show without the visual part um, like if you're a person who likes to go wash the dishes while TV's on in the background, you're going to love audio drama because <laughs> it's like yeah. the immersive aspect, but it's designed to, to cater to the, to the audio. So like, as we're designing this and as we're producing this, you know, we're thinking about ways of telling the story and ways of doing the dialogue and ways of structuring the narrative so that the the sound is important and what people are saying is important i'm not gonna write a script with like and then we see all these things for you mm-hmm. know 20 pages and no one speaks because that's not going to be a very exciting audio drama no. but it in court i really love one of the things that i've discovered in the, this process of researching is how much i really enjoy doing audio design it's so fun to like think about okay they're walking so i need these two footsteps and i need a car door to open and i need you know all this stuff yeah. and then having you come over to um so we have a new audio drama coming out eventually. We we're wrapping up um, episode one, and we're going to be doing this on Substack and Patreon, and also just putting it out on the podcast formats once we have more episodes ready. But this new story is called "Old Ones," and I'm really excited about it. You and I are co-starring in this, um, where we both play doctors or scientists or whatever, and you work for a top secret government agency, and I'm a psychiatrist who. Gets kidnapped by toxic government agencies mm-hmm. to, to work with special patients, but this patient is extra special because they're not quite human. And some of the themes that this, uh, this 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 um, series are going to explore involve like our relationship to each other, to the secrecies of government, and to like what else could be out there. What do you enjoy about so far? Like we only have one episode in the can, but what do you enjoy about this new story that we're working on? And what do you enjoy about doing audio versus, say, doing the movies or theater? Um,
1: it it scratches that same sort of performance itch doing the audio, um, but without uh, any of the prep work or production, <laughs> uh, other than a microphone in a room where hopefully the leaf blowers are not permeating um,
0: yeah we had a crow that really did not want us to record uh, for a bit
1: that crow had stuff to say um as far as our story i think it's a fun um there's like elements of suspense and then there's elements of the science and there's a lot of different places to take the story and i don't want to give away anything because um it's it's there's stuff there's stuff that could be given away and i don't want to spoil um but it's uh it's a fun story to to tell. And it's, I think it fits the medium really well where like little sound effects and otherwise just the words that, that are being said, um, can, can carry it without the need for a visual.
0: I think I'm just really excited about how many different kinds of like ways we're telling stories right now Mm -hmm. as a, as a community and as friends, as our friend group, uh, you know, we've got the movies, we've got audio drama, you're working in theater with, with Kat and, our other guests here today, Paulette and Kate, have worked with theater locally in the community. Like this, like we talked about earlier, such a such a rich community for doing any kind of creative project and being in a small town and still being able to like do that feels really rewarding and exciting. All right. Well, thank you so much. And is there anything you want to say before we close off about like space? Is there registrations or anything people need to be aware of or anything you want to talk about with anything?
1: Summer camp registration is about to open up. So there's a bunch of different summer camps um, that I'll be working on and just send your kids to space.
0: Yeah, do it.
1: It's where they belong.
0: It is. I don't care what they do or what they think about it. Just send them to space. Mm -hmm. All right. Thank you, Evan. You're welcome. You're listening to Wild Women on KZYX. I'm your host, Lux Karpov-Kinraid, and we were just speaking with Evan Gaustad and Katrina Karpov about a new movie we're working on and all the other projects they're doing. Our next interviews are very exciting, but before we dive into them, I want to say a word about Women's History Month, which ends tonight, March 31st. Too many of women's inventions, contributions, and creations have been ignored, forgotten, or co-opted by men throughout history. For example, did you know that the first person to create a fiction narrative film was a French woman named Alice Guy Blanchet? She was also one of the first filmmakers to use close-ups, hand-tinted color, and synchronized sound. She founded her own company where she directed and managed all areas of production. Despite her legendary contribution to modern film, she is largely forgotten in the narrative of filmmaking. I was a film student and was never taught about her. She is just one example of so many women forgotten by time and men's narratives, which is why Women's History Month is so important. And I hope you spend this last evening and more time beyond this, considering and looking up women's contributions throughout history. So it is with great pleasure that I bring you our next guests, both women who have helped create and shape the 40 plus year history of theater in Mendocino County and Ukiah. with Paula Arnold to discuss theater in Ukiah and the role that you, the significant role that you've played in helping shape the culture of theater in our little town. Thank you so much for joining me on Wild Women today.
3: You're welcome, Lutz. Thank you for inviting me. I'm, it's one of my favorite topics.
0: Uh, to start with, let's talk about your role in Ukiah and your role with space theater. Do you want to talk about the space theater program and sure, how that got
3: started? Absolutely, um, well, Space stands for School of Performing Arts and Cultural Education, and and was was a program first of all um, that we formed seminally in 1989 um, as Performing Arts Summer Camp at the Okaya Playhouse. And Kate Magruder was part of that triumphant triumvirate, the three of us. Um, said it's time that we offer something for children. We'd all been involved, Kate in theater, me me and Laurel primarily in dance for um, young people. And um, Kate had a daughter, Grace, who's an adult now and a teacher at space and other places um, that she wanted to be able to do a performance with. So we hatched this idea of doing a four week summer camp. and the playhouse was available and we decided, well, we can write a play. So we did. And we chose a bunch of songs that were our favorites and structured scenes around those um, and took off from there. The first summer was 1989 was sold out and every subsequent summer um, to the extent we finally ended up writing a play about how hard it was to get into summer camp. <laughs> oh, that's fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and so after working together in the summer, Laurel and I each had our own separate programs. Kate was really, you know, she was busy at yukai Players. I had developed a creative movement program and had also started teaching acting class for children. Um, I had about 100 students and Laurel had a dance program for starting with six or seven year olds. So she picked them up after they graduated from me. And similarly, she had about 100 students. And we realized that we were only serving the rich kids, mm. the, the professionals whose children could they could afford to pay for their children. And that wasn't satisfying. We didn't want to turn anybody away. So we said, well, we'll have to start a nonprofit. And I had experience in that. And Jim Beatty, who was my teaching partner and dance colleague at the time, was an experienced accountant. So he was really instrumental in in guiding us through that process, along with Marianne Vilwock, who was the first president of our board, and she's an attorney. So we put the paperwork together, and by nineteen, the fall of nineteen ninety five, we incorporated it as School of Performing Arts. And what that allowed us to do was to solicit donations from individuals, from businesses, um, to apply for grants. You know, to, it opened up a whole world of funding. We pretty quickly grew from our. Two hundred students. You know, we we our students followed us, Laurel and me, into the program, and then within a few years, um, we were up to six, seven, eight hundred students. It pretty much depended on um, the spaces we could locate and the teachers that mm-hmm. we could identify to offer things. Um, we had a really good relationship still with Yukai players. Continued to have the summer camp there. Then expanded that to a relationship with Mendocino College and eventually moved summer camp over to the college, which was amazing because then we had, you know, a real dance studio, a real art studio, a real stage, mm-hmm. you know, because you know, we had 70 kids usually in that program. Um, so we were always about building those relationships mm-hmm. with other organizations and. Um, So that was 1995. In 1999, the Catholic Church had finished building its new sanctuary and facility down on South Oak Street, South Dora. And they were moving and they were selling that building. And a citizens committee formed because they could not imagine having that building torn down. So Citizens Committee formed to protest the demolition permit and sued the city and went into negotiation, went into arbitration. And again, Mary Ann was a really huge player in that. Martin Bradley was also um, big on that committee. Judy Pruden, who was a a city council member. And... That literally the last day of the settlement conference, there was a bulldozer idling. Oh my on, gosh! <laughs> on Bush Street, ready to knock it down. So miraculously, a benefactor came forward and said, "If I give Space the money, will you buy that building and save it?"
2: Because
3: mm. we didn't have a home. We right. Didn't. We were teaching in Saturday afternoon club and the
0: Memphis Church. Just
2: bouncing
3: Church. around. Right. And so we said, sure. Yeah, you want to give me a building? <laughs> so we Absolutely. Had no idea what we were saying yes to. Oh but, my gosh! But we did, and and that all happened. So we ended up owning that block of downtown Ukiah. Um, so we moved into the what's now the music room mm-hmm. uh, behind the space theater, made that our office, and hired an architect and started going. Um, and it took from 1999 until we finally finished the sign in 2022. So <laughs> I do remember that. <laughs> over 20 years, we did it in uh, four or five phases, depending on how you count. Um, so that was, that ended up becoming a consuming project and a, and a definitive one, too, in terms of really making us think about what programming we could and wanted to offer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think the two things that we have that are really unique is that we have children performing for other children. And we that's our focus. We don't have an adult theater component. Right. That that's really for most of those places is their. That's their primary activity and focus. Mm-hmm. But ours is about serving serving the youth.
0: I just know for us personally, it's been hugely impactful to have our kids in this place that is safe, that is creative, that is conducive to their needs. And and any anything, you know, kids go through things throughout their lives and anytime our kids have been going through stuff, I know that the staff at Space has been available for talking things through, for problem solving, for helping support our family and our kids in whatever way and all the ups and downs that we've had over the years since we've been here. So it's had an incredible impact. And I'm sure we're not alone. What have you seen in the Ukiah community over these decades that space has been growing and becoming so prominent? Like, have you because you also teach or taught at Mendocino College right? Yeah. and you've directed and you've done a lot. Like, what kind of impact have you seen space have on the communities and families here?
3: It's usually I go to the individual stories. We have some really favorite individually seeing a, a little boy who learned how to skip and and he had been struggling you know mm. he didn't really want to dance why was my mother you know I'm 3 why is my mother making me be in class with all these girls and when he learned to skip his whole body his face his spirit just opened up mm. so there was so much joy and release and so there's a, those kinds of, mm-hmm. of moments for individuals. And then I think e- uh, equally, I, I can, don't want to compare, but what you were talking about in terms of the impact on, on your family and on the community, I was thinking about that a lot this morning. Because as an institution, I think space has provided a real nexus. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a place where people meet each other, do things together. Whether it's be in the class or be part of the audience or talk in the courtyard after a show, um, talk about what the show was about, mm-hmm. the experience that their kids had. It's provide, you know, m- much in the way that other you know schools or churches or community institutions provide that sort of holding. That yeah. Yeah. And that lasts your whole life. It does. And you know,
0: you you saying that, I grew up in a very religious uh, home environment and church was a huge part of our life. And I'm not at all religious anymore in my adulthood. And I didn't raise my children religious and the one thing the only thing that i ever missed from my days in the church is that sense of a, a holding space where mm-hmm. there's that community and space is what provided that for our kids and i think
3: for, i mean cuz i grew up in a similar <coughs> environment i went to sunday school for 13 years without missing a sunday and and like you i moved away from it but i wanted that i want when i was looking. I, I never chose this career as a, you know, I just, I, I like to quote my improv teacher, Ruth Sapora, who said, I have planned nothing, and that has kept me very busy. <laughs> 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 yes. So I, it's just been a series of one door. After another, you know, one connection, one friendship, and someone saying, hey, why don't you do this? You know, or did you ever think about, would you want to do this with me? And each one of those has led to a new place, a new expansion. Yeah, I knew knew much more what I didn't want Mm -hmm. than what I did. Um, And I I never imagined. I loved to perform as a child. I was a cheerleader. I wrote the skits for the pep rallies but i i considered myself a serious academic through college Mm -hmm. anyway um and i i didn't really know what i was gonna do other than i was gonna move (laughs) i was gonna move on um and and once i got involved um it, through through a tragedy, really, because I had I'd come here and met a lot of the Back to the Landers who were involved in the United Stand, which was the group that lobbied the state government for Class K housing. Mm-hmm. Um, this was all way before you were born, maybe. <laughs> yeah. um, and so I had bought land out in Potter Valley on top of Big Mountain and was living out there. And then an arsonist burned my house down. Oh, my gosh. And... So, overnight, I had to move back into Ukiah. And I was working at legal services. I've Mm -hmm. been working as a a legal secretary because that was the best paying job I could get. And then I was bored at night. I needed to do something. And Mary Knight had just moved to town and started teaching dance classes. Mm -hmm. So, I went to dance classes. And then it just really unfolded from there. I met Ukiah players and began to choreograph and created our own dance company, Jim Beatty and Carolyn Crane and myself. And then, you know, people just kept out. Mary asked me if I wanted to teach the toddlers in her ballet program. I said, "Okay, sure.
0: Back in those early days, what was it like to be a group of women trying to reshape and create what feels like most of the theater world in our city
3: has been created by women
0: back in the early days?
3: It was... Was very exciting. It was very wild, and um, I'm trying to. I mean, it's, it, when I when I think back, feel back, it is, you know, I get the impression of wind blowing and dust, <laughs> and very. Uh, That's exciting. Yeah, <laughs> very exciting. Um, maybe that had to do with the bulldozers at the UK Playhouse. Oh gosh, but. Um, I, I must say, I, there have been times in my life when I felt discriminated against and stereotyped and belittled as a female, but I can't really say I ever experienced that in, in this path. Mm. The men, and maybe that has something to do with the personality and nature of men who are drawn to theater, mm-hmm. involved in theater, um... We're very respectful and appreciative. Um, you know, our one of our major designers and builders was a woman. Really? Uh-huh. Love that. Designed Alice Walter. She had been a painter, a house painter. That was how she made her, her job. She was also married to an actor, one of our pivotal actors, Alan Kaplan. And... There was, you know, Les Futzinger at the college was so open and welcoming to me. Um, invited me to choreograph my first musical out there. There was a lot of support coming from the men. We, we, the the one place I will say we did to deal with some stereotypes was uh, around the construction of the building. Mm. Um, and we were fortunate to end up with an, an amazing contractor that we loved working with but getting there we encountered some 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 folks that we went okay they're not going to listen to us mm. you know there would be like three four women who would go and meet with them and say here's our project this is, and it was obvious that they were discounting us from the beginning. and And we picked up on that. So we didn't go there. Overall, it was it was an amazing time. Part of it, I think, was my personality. I've always been just sort of a loner. I never I mean, I've been in long- term relationships, but I never felt the need to get married or have kids. I've always seen myself as kind of an independent actor that way. So it, it really didn't occur to me that I couldn't do any of
0: those things. That's amazing. Did you did you women know at the time, like, did you have an inkling of what you were creating at the time you started this? I
3: was just speaking for myself. Uh-huh. Um, I would say no, I didn't. Because if I had, I would have probably run the other way.
0: It seems like in the last 20 years, every area of theater in Ukiah has grown significantly between UPT with Kate, which we'll be talking to Kate in a little bit about that, to the work that you've done with space to then even at the Mendocino college. And those are the main, those are the main three theatrical programs in the city. Right. Right. Uh, And it seems like they all were kind of really growing during this time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. A bit of a Renaissance theater here in Ukiah. Yeah. It feels so odd to me. I, uh, I come from, from LA and Long Beach. And I was a theater critic down there and a, for the LA Times and Orange County Register and LA, Long Beach Press Telegram. And when we first came to, and I studied theater in New York at Sarah Lawrence. And so when we came to Ukiah, I had no idea what to expect with a theater program because that's not why we were here originally. And I remember going to my first UPT play and being blown away by how amazing it was. Like I would have given a rave review. And then when our kids got involved in space, or in space going to those programs and like, let's be real. Most shows when you have to go to as a parent with your kids, we do it for the love. We do it for the love and we're not going as critics (laughs) of theater. (laughs) But I will say space has blown my mind because I know that the goal, because we talked about this when we first enrolled our kids, the goal was not to create a brilliant production. The goal is to give the kids an opportunity to have fun, to play with theater and dance and music and and to enjoy themselves and to express themselves. Am I getting that? Is that Absolutely. It? And so it wasn't about like, let's talk to me. Put, I think we did. I did. <laughs> I think I, that was one of our first conversations, I think, in fact. And so that's what I was expecting when going to the shows. I'm like, my kids are having fun. But also, dang you put on amazing shows. And now at this point with my kid being in the hanging chads improv group, which I think my kids helped name in the early conceptions of the group. Like I look forward to it. I would go to these shows even if I didn't have a kid in the show, cause they are so entertaining. So some like, you know, you really kind of cracked the code of finding that sweet spot between kids are having fun and learning and growing and being fulfilled. And parents are actually being entertained. Yeah. That's a, that's a magic right there. Yeah.
3: And I, I look back on two big contributing factors to that. Um, one is the the caliber of artists at Ukiah Players theater. those that founding group mm-hmm. of people were you know theater they had masters in theater. they had you know years of experience in Chicago and they, had, they were part packed part of back to the land movement they were here because Mm -hmm. they were leaving that urban environment and but they brought all those skills and that awareness with them Mm -hmm. we used to spend hours at upt kate can tell you about this on the play select committee reading plays and proing and conning them you know what's going to work what can we do um and then the college faculty also brought that same high level of of experience and training. Um, And that it was always important to me. I mean, that we give the kids the most beautiful frame Mm -hmm. for what they do. We give them good costumes. We give them a beautiful set. We give them accomplished musicians. And
0: now a state of the art theater that is just incredible.
3: We to because then they rise Mm -hmm. to that level. They do. They do. I have seen
0: it over the years. It's they, been amazing.
3: They say, oh, okay, you're serious. This lady's serious. <laughs> and it works. It, it worked.
0: You've created something magical, something that's going to live on, I think, forever in this community. I hope so. And it's bringing kids back. I know Evan came back because of space after being in L.A. We had talked about that with him earlier. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else before we wrap up that you'd like to say about your experience in this or the theater life in Ukiah or, you know
3: anything i have immense gratitude for landing here that's really when i look back on this whole last 40 years because
0: you came from a little town in north carolina little
3: town in north Carolina, never you know done any serious theater went to my first classical violin concert when i was a junior in high school um just had no real support or encouragement for that choosing that path. And I just feel immensely fortunate that I landed here and in the time and the place with all these other amazing people um, and was welcomed and, and encouraged and just immensely grateful that this is what I I got to do with my life.
0: Well I think you we are all immensely grateful that you got to do this with your life because I you know our lives, our kids' lives wouldn't be the same without you and without space. So thank you so much for being on my show and for spending your life creating something so incredibly important in our community. Thank you. here with Kate Magruder, who is, I'm just going to say, one of the founding members of the Ukiah theater world that we have right now, that we currently exist in Ukiah. I don't think that's an overstatement. Can you tell us a little about your role in starting uh, ukiah players theater and i know that that we've already interviewed paulette and that led to like paulette and you working together to help her move into children's theater and then that kind of like led to uh, just everything kind of expanded from this you want to talk a little bit about that it was a remarkable
4: time it was um 1977 in ukiah i had i was as paulette was part of the back to the land movement we we Many, many people, thousands of people came here in the in the early 70s, mid-70s, looking for really, a, a, looking for a simpler life, getting out of the cities, getting out of the sense of a material world and, uh, and life that, that didn't make sense to a lot of us. So we didn't even know what we were coming for, except for change and country and a chance to be in nature. And... I ended up on Greenfield Ranch, buying a piece of property with a partner at the time, sight unseen. And so it was very exciting and we built a little cabin and but I knew pretty early on that I couldn't do what I needed to do and I didn't know what I needed to do yet, but I couldn't do it on Greenfield. It was it was too circumscribed. It was it was not the the garden literally for me. Pretty soon, actually, uh in on Greenfield I was reading a I didn't know what I was doing there, and I was reading a Mendocino grapevine, which was a grand weekly newspaper at the time. It was just really the best of the best, and there was a little uh, ad in there, a little classified that said, acting classes by Ellen S. Weed. You know, call this number, and so I hitchhiked down into town and took this acting class from Ellen. And almost immediately, then also got a job at the community center. Being, I wrote a Cedar Grant in the in the seventies um there was a program called CETA CETA mm-hmm. uh, comprehensive employment training act and it was to give people jobs it's kind of like the new deal you know mm-hmm. like the like the wpa and if you wrote a proposal to your county board of supervisors and said i want to do this and this is my budget and you could pretty easily get funded for it and that's where the a lot of murals came from around town mm-hmm. there was a lot of people who who had come here who didn't have any jobs, didn't come here for jobs, didn't know what they were going to do. But all of a sudden, you could make your own jobs. you could You could decide what you wanted to do and propose it and get enough money to live at that time. So I was head of the Artists and Writers Guild in Mendocino County and worked out of the community center. And I was supposed to catalog all the artists who were coming into the county, which were multitudes. And at the same time, I met a group of people who wanted to put on a play And that became Ukiah Players Theater. Mm. And the two people who were sojourning here at the time that summer of 77 were, uh, had just gotten out of the old Vic school in, in England training there. And they were waiting to go to Canada to get their green cards and work at the Stratford Shakespeare Festival. And so they start, they said, let's do importance of being earnest. And, so they were going to do it with us, but they like left before we really began the oh, no. began the play. And and I was there, and Bob Courier, my partner at the time, was there, and Jerry Monroe and Susan Husted. And this amazing group of people, once we did Importance of Being Earnest, it was like, yeah, we're going to do this. We're going to start a company, and we're just going to keep doing plays. And we did for several years in the little clubhouse at the city park, the golf course clubhouse, mm-hmm. tiny little stamp. You know, postage stamp size uh, stage, and the the community was so hungry for theater, yeah, for for culture because there hadn't been there been little theater groups, you know, over the years. But this was an unusual combination of people, most of whom who had been trained Mm -hmm. in theater, who came from different spots in the country, but with training and with background, and you know, and and the the collective power of that was was quite you know, extraordinary. There were dozens and dozens of people here at the time, young people, um, who had theater background, who wanted, you know, who didn't also have children yet, or, Mm -hmm. you know, families or a big job. And the community really wanted us to have a theater. So they began really supporting us having a place of our own. And five years after we started, um, we built ukiah players theater the, so you built it from scratch yeah that we had we appealed to the um city council of ukiah for a piece of land across from the high school um that was being used at that point for a dump kind of oh and and we said could we build there and you know we eventually got a, a lease for a dollar a year you know for 30 years mm-hmm. with the opportunity opportunity to you know um extend it and billy jameson and gina campbell who had helped build mariposa school that alternative school out on uh lograt road they they designed it and built it with a every weekend with work parties who came people came and helped build and people who had built their own houses by that time so people had their skills you know people knew how to hammer
0: so this is very much a barn building it was
4: exactly that and we we um, we broke ground like June 2nd of 82 and we opened November of 82. Wow that's fast we built the original phase one of the theater that summer and and then we were you know then we were off and and I was an actor for most for for the first 5 years. I just like got to play a lot of different parts until my cohorts Bob Currier and Susan Houston who had been doing a lot of the directing said, "Okay, you got to direct." <sighs> and so they kind of I was terrified and but they pushed me into it. It's like everybody has to do everything. That mm-hmm. was the, you know, you have to run the lights, you have to stage manage, you have to you have to be able to do everything. You know, you have to sell the tickets, you have to and um, so this was my turn to direct, and I really loved it. I did Rosencrantz and Guildenstern, mm. that wonderful Tom Stoppard play. Yeah. And uh, and so from then on, I was a director, you know, as well as an actor and um, a teacher and a writer, and and eventually. And and Paulette was was part of that, and uh, Jim Beatty was part of that, and I mean a lot of people mm-hmm. were part of that. That's what it was really. It feels really very fun. community. It was so fun because they were. It, it took all of us to do it. You mm-hmm. know, we were in this tiny little theater, and there were probably like <laughs> seven of us on payroll. You know, mm-hmm. like five dollars an hour, and you know, and just <clears throat> working for basically nothing. But the 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 collective power of that and, and, you know, creativity of that was really unstoppable for many, 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 many years until people, you know, began to have families and, you know, they couldn't, they couldn't just run a light booth, you know, they couldn't Mm -hmm. run the lights every weekend, you know, for a month. Right. You know, they just couldn't. And so things had to change, things developed. But, um, out of that, came you know we were Paulette and Laurel near and I did the performing arts summer camp at the Playhouse mm-hmm. and started that in 1989 and then in by 10 years that had that had moved to the college and then then they decided to do space themselves yeah to do that yeah
0: yeah it just sounds like you 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 know you and your friends really pl- like planted this seed that just kept growing and it was like everyone just planting their own seeds and all of a sudden there's this forest of like really amazing it was, it was theater it like was interesting and it uh, was that that summer of 77 it wasn't exactly it was like a
4: little bit in 76 maybe a little bit in early 78 but there Willits Community Theater Ukiah Players Theater Mendocino Theater Company Gloriana Theater Company they all boom, sprang into life right around that same time, like within, you know, within twelve months of each other. Oh. Wow. And they're all still going. They're all still alive. Which is an amazing thing for a little rural county, you know, as big and sprawling as this is, with you know, the economics is, you know, variable. But there was there was this just it's the it's the spirit. I think it's the spirit of the people who want to who want to uh, express themselves through that form, and then the spirit of the community who's thirsty for it, who's really hungry for it. But you know, deal with it ourselves actively right now while we're still healthy and. You know, when we're not caught up with raising little children and, you know, having jobs. And yeah, that
0: a takes a lot time. Takes a lot of time. Yeah. And now you live on a beautiful 2,500 acre ranch yeah, that definitely. you, we talked to Evan earlier today or earlier in the episode about how we're filming a movie on yeah, your property. Yeah. And it's not the first one. That, no. I know Evan's done another one right, <laughs> at your right. property. And
4: our daughter Martha has made films at the property.
0: Oh, that's too. amazing. Yeah. I mean, it's such a gorgeous space. Yeah. Is it exciting to know that even where you live gets to contribute to, like, the creative mediums it, and, and telling yeah, new stories. It's always felt that
4: way to me. I, I, I'm, I met my husband, Mac Magruder, back in 78, and we, um, we've been together ever since. And f- ever since I set foot on that ranch um, in Potter Valley, there's been a really strong message, kind of a pull to have more people there to be inspired by it. Basically, you know, to the just the mental health of walking up that range. Oh, it's stunning! You know, and, you know, it's 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 important for your soul. And you know, I can only think that that's you know the 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 native people who lived there for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. You know, and extended families, and mm-hmm. that 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 has you know really c- contributed to the you know to the. Uh, the,
0: the feel of the, the space. The feel of the
4: place and the, the, the energy field. Mm-hmm. The energy field of the place.
0: Yeah. yeah I mean, yeah. I think that our energies definitely con- like, mix with earth it's and, asking, uh, yeah.
4: It's asking for you to be there. It's asking for you to. I mean, you know, I definitely felt that when we and, went out there. Yeah. And to, you know, to, 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 <clears> you know, to treat it, you know, as a sacred place. And Mac's sister, Helen, who grew up there with Mac, um, and Mac's parents grew up there. And oh, so this is very far the Yeah, ahead. this is a sixth generation now. Wow. Family on the ranch. Um, but Mac's sister, Helen, had a camp there, a summer camp, a horse camp. And then when I met Mac, I started doing theater there, too. So it was like a horse and drama camp for 10 years she did there. that, And then from 2013 until 2017, I worked with Jenny Peterman at UPT, who, was, who had kind of taken over the the helm from me. Um, and we did a, a musical theater camp at, at the ranch. And it just, I mean, you could just, you know, you can see by the young people when they're there, it's just like how, how exciting and how um, nurturing it is, that environment, but also the giving back in that creative way was really, really fun to be a part of.
0: Well, thank you so much. Your influence and role in, just creating and inspiring and nurturing the arts in so many ways in Mendocino County and Ukiah uh, have changed. I think the the landscape of of our culture in I this area. So. We were very
4: lucky. <clears throat> we were very lucky to be here, you know, like a vortex. You
0: know, <laughs> and said,
4: This is where you're supposed to do it. Right. You know, you're not supposed to be in LA and you're not supposed to be in New York. And you're, you know, I just knew that. I knew mm-hmm. that as a young person that that was the wrong environment for me, but I didn't know where I was supposed to be. And I tumbled into it. I, really
0: yeah, I think a lot of us tumbled into this area who weren't yeah. born and raised here. Right. Really, really lucky. Yeah. Yes. Well, thank you so much. Is there anything else you want to share about your future plans or what you're working on or uh, shows that people should check out, check out right now?
4: Well, there's a. am going to see once at the college on the Sunday matinee, but I hear wonderful, wonderful things about that. That's I've heard very, it's great. Very exciting to me. And then Alice in Wonderland. Uh, UPT is doing that in collaboration with the high school. And that's coming up, opening right after Once closes. So that's a nice juxtaposition. And I mean, I'm just interested in in all the the little pockets and then, you know, in the nuances of the creative arts that are happening here.
0: It's very exciting. Well, thank you so much for joining us. And thank you again for letting us use your property to make
2: The Silver Lady. I can't wait
0: to see how it turns out. Me too. Thanks. Thank you. You've been listening to Wild Women. I'm your host, Lux Karpovkin-Raid, and as I close out this episode, I'm sorry to announce this will be my last Wild Women show on KZYX. I originally started this show with co-host Alicia Bales, the former program director at KZYX who was recently fired. This show wouldn't exist without her, and it was never my intention to run this show alone. However, I will soon be launching a fiction podcast called Old Ones, wherever you listen to podcasts, as well as producing more films and writing more books. If you'd like to stay up to date on my projects, you can sign up for my newsletter at my website, readkk.com, that's R-E-A-D-K-K dot com, or keep an eye on that page for updates. Thank you for listening and for supporting the show.